thank you for joining us on this live right now. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Doing great here in Puerto Rico. So, hey, uh, I, I try to avoid doing too much live just because in Puerto Rico, the internet could go out at any moment. So you just never know how to plan around things. <laughs> but it yeah. uh, looks like we're okay right now. If we get a little if we get a little choppy, we'll have to just work through that. But uh, I'm in Puerto Rico. Steve, you're in Arizona. Um, prior to moving to Puerto Rico, I lived in Arizona for a couple of years. And so we're practically neighbors. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I, in fact, I got to hang out with you, Steve, quite a bit or a little yeah. bit, which was great. Um, and Arizona now has passed this new regulation. It's a little bit different and unique compared to some of the other regulation that we've been seeing. Um, Steve, I know that you're very um, aware and conscious of this this regulation. You're watching it. I know mm-hmm. that you had been involved a little bit in like how this came about. You had watched some of the hearings. You've done some yeah. content around this. And I think this is an important thing to talk about, not just for Arizona investors and you know wholesalers specifically, but I think this uh, really helps all of us in the industry kind of see what the concerns are from the regulatory agencies, because you have consumer protection, you have the real estate commission, um, you have a lot of this is led by the National Association of Realtors. So all wholesalers everywhere, if you're watching this and you're like, well, I'm not in Arizona, so this doesn't really pertain to me. <laughs> I think all of this really pertains to everybody in this industry, because what's happening right now is everybody's watching. And so you, you're having other states right now that are looking at what Oklahoma's doing, Nebraska, Illinois, whoever, and they're they're working on and proposing legislation or might be right, yeah. and so everybody's on the everybody's watching what everybody else is doing, and then they're going to form their own regulation around that or consider legislation around that. So we want to kind of talk about this, Steve, but I also want to keep the bigger picture as much as we can, which is why is this happening? What does it mean? How do we adapt? If you're not in Arizona, what are some things you could be doing differently or should be doing differently that are going to help you keep your nose clean in the industry? How do we operate at a little bit higher of a level, right? Because everybody needs to level up, I think. And oh, so, 100%. you know, that's kind of the premise I was thinking about with uh, with t- having this discussion right now. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because like the way this kind of came about, it was like no big deal. No one heard anything. No one. There was a discussion. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> oh, it passed the House unanimously. Okay. <laughs> oh, it passed yeah. the Senate committee. No, like uh, unanimously. Okay, like, yeah. Does anyone know? Like, at least with Oklahoma, I can't remember what their number was, like HB one hundred five or something like that. But it was like discussed. It was vetted. It was like, guys, this is coming down the corner. You guys should know about this. It was literally, bam, a Facebook post I saw in the Realtor Group, right? Because it's yeah. an Arizona agent form. Like, just bam, like, hey, by the way, this just passed. This is good news for all us realtors. I was like, what is this? And, 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 the and immediately thing, I got multiple text messages from wholesalers like, what's yeah. going on here? So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And what's what's interesting is, um, you know, I, I went back and I looked at the legislative process and there's multiple hearings. There's there's all this. There's supposed to be all this discussion around it. Right. It, for a bill to pass, there's a lot of steps that happen. And this thing just rolled on through, like without really much, much notoriety at all. It was really odd. I agree. It was kind of like. Okay, this is happening. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. Another <laughs> yeah. another day, another day, another another day in the business. Yeah, and yeah. and it's interesting because like we're in Phoenix, right? This is like the guru, the guru capital world or the the mecca of wholesaling, you know. So like, you would think there'd be some sort of uh, conversation about this, but no, yeah. it's kind of roll through it. Now, here's the thing that's crazy because i got a chance to watch the hearing you know and this was put forth by realtors uh mm-hmm. i didn't know those realtors mm-hmm. uh, apparently one of those realtors works with wholesalers um and so he was saying like you know i don't hate wholesalers i just want wholesalers wholesaling done the right way and he kind of like explained this whole thing how like his client got screwed by a wholesaler that wouldn't release the memorandum which is you know whatever neither here nor there um but it was just it was like for something I think somewhat significant for our industry to pass with basically a 20 minute hearing. I thought was kind of fascinating. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, what I found interesting, because I, I did a I did a video and I critiqued it and uh, really poked a lot of holes in the whole thing. The part that I had the biggest problem with was the way this bill was written. It's it's blatantly obvious that they really don't understand wholesaling. Right. Uh, which is not that complicated of a thing. But this you watch the hearing, you the- feel you watch the hearing. You, it's clear they don't understand what wholesaling. Yeah. Is. Yeah. And like, why, why did somebody not reach out to some wholesalers and like really, really get their head around kind of how an assignment of contract works? Because some of the way the bill was written is, is just really ridiculous, which we'll get to. We'll talk a little bit about some of this. Uh, and I think, I think National Association of Realtors, NAR, and the powers at play that push this law through, I think they completely missed the boat because what did they really accomplish? Not much. And it's really odd to me that they didn't go for the easy strike, which is licensing. Like they could have, they could have mandated that wholesalers get licensed like the other states mm-hmm. are doing. And that would have been the biggest benefit to not our side, but the other side to require well, wholesalers get licensed. And they missed it. That. They well, it's not that I'm necessarily a proponent of licensing, right? It's not that I'm necessarily a proponent of, of, of regulating, you know, like, you know, I know that we've talked about this board and like improving the standards, which I 100% agree we should be yeah. improving our industry, self-regulating. So uh, what's really interesting is that this is a toothless, con- a toothless yeah. um, addition, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. uh, the, the language is convoluting and the penalty if you <laughs> fail to disclose is the seller can cancel without uh you know can basically cancel with prejudice and yeah. the buyer the wholesale buyer loses their earnest money which is yeah. i think the typical earnest money in arizona is probably in the neighborhood of like a hundred dollars yeah yeah mostly mostly no earnest money you know so yeah so so let's break it down steve because there's a couple i see a couple questions in the chat um let's talk about what the new law is in Arizona. And let's keep in mind with everybody, why? Because the why is the important part of this. Uh, Most wholesalers that are operating with integrity and at a higher level are already doing this. Like this is already in my contract and already part of my conversation with with sellers. So nothing changed for me. When I sent it over to Max, like, hey, take a look at this, right? For you guys don't know, Max and Mendes is my business partner. I sent it over to Max, like, take a look at this. He looked at it, it's like, so what, what do you have to change? I said, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like not even a tweak to your contract, right? Like not nothing. Uh, but that's not all wholesalers. That is not industry wide. There are a lot of wholesalers that do not disclose at all their intentions or that they may or are planning on assigning the contract. And that's where the wholesaling industry has gotten a lot of scrutiny. And we're seeing this come up again and again and again, this whole idea around disclosure. And so Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit, Steve, about why that's important. For everybody listening, Arizona passed a law that says you now have to disclose in writing that uh, you're a wholesaler. Um, And specifically, it specifically said assignment of contract. So if you're doing a double close, this does not apply. It says right in there the assignment of contract. So and that's everywhere. What happens is, is when you purchase the property, then you fulfill the contract it doesn't matter what you do at that point because you bought it and took title. So if you resell it five minutes later, that's fine. Uh, it's when you, which when you assign your contract where everybody has an issue, like that's where the issue always comes up. Well, not just signing the contract, but I mean, I think the biggest challenge we have is there's kind of this, um, I think this flippant attitude of, uh, well, if I can't assign it, I'll just cancel my due diligence period. Yeah, and I think that is where the biggest problem is, and I understand where it comes from because I was a newbie wholesaler too. Like I get it. Yeah, but the part where you're, I'm going to see Jerry. Jerry's in a distress situation. He needs to sell his house is worth two hundred. I told him I'll pay two hundred, and then the day before close, hey Jerry, this two hundred is not going to work. So I'm going to cancel. Yeah, like, and meanwhile, Jerry's made life changing decisions based off me my commitment to buying your house. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. they're in the driveway with the U-Haul packed, right? Right. That's yeah. That's that's the the thing that needs to be addressed and is not addressed. Yeah, I heard of a story in Texas when I was working on some Texas because Texas is exploring regulation right now, and uh, I started digging and asking and found out that uh, there's a story 
in Texas of a wholesaler who locks up about 40 contracts a month and closes on one. So one out of 40 is his close ratio. So the idea here is lock up everything and anything, and then let's go see if we can wholesale it. If we can, great. If we can't, we just back out. And when those type of stories get back to the regulators and the consumer protection agencies, they're all over us about that. So that's where a lot of this is coming from, some of those type of things that are happening. And let's be honest, uh, NAR has a very direct initiative nationwide because they've led every single one of these regulations to, to, to basically bring the wholesaling industry under the licensing umbrella. And that only benefits NAR and the broker agent model because now, now wholesalers are paying splits on their commissions. They, they you yep. pretty much have to join NAR to get MLS. So, you know, there's it's it's a great definitely racket a for them. going on too. Yeah. It's a wonderful racket for them. And uh, yeah. right. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know, just shocking. Uh, you know, you have to be licensed in Oklahoma. You have to be licensed in Illinois. You're doing more than one or two. I can't remember. More and than in one. Philadelphia, shockingly the guy that led it happens to be one of the most successful realtors in philadelphia yeah he's a big broker yeah Yeah. he's a big broker (laughs) (laughs) go figure (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah yeah in uh nebraska's passing the same law as oklahoma which is which is when you market your contract you have to be licensed so it's specific to that part of the assignment which is the public marketing Um, but right now we also have kansas and missouri both those states have come out and the commission, the real estate commission has publicly said, we are working on legislation to require licensing. And Kansas actually, uh, they actually tried to pass it and and it didn't pass in 2021. So the, the, yeah, it didn't pass. And, but the, but the head of the commission said, we're trying again, we're going to try again. And we're, he basically said, we're going to keep trying until we get it because we want all wholesalers licensed. Why didn't it pass in Kansas? Uh, the, the vote didn't pass it. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like wholesaling has this wonderful lobbying arm, right? The number yeah, one yeah, lobbying no one. arm in yeah. the country is the national association of realtors, of which again, I donate to it. You know, I think yeah. for the most part, it's a good cause. Yeah. Just don't agree with them necessarily on this part. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Steve, you have, you have a brokerage, you have 120 plus agents or how many you have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I own a boutique brokerage in Michigan, so I'm also a member of NAR. And it's not that I'm a huge fan necessarily, but I have to be in order to get MLS. So there we go, right? Like it's a little bit of a racket going on and a lot of money coming through. NAR is the largest lobbying trade group in America is NAR. Right, National Association of Realtors. And for those of you guys that don't understand it, like generally speaking, every year when we renew our dues to become a realtor or remain a realtor, we pay usually between 35 and 50 bucks every renewal to go towards our lobbying arm, which mm-hmm. doesn't sound like a lot of money, but over a million realtors across the country. It adds up pretty fast. Yeah. Right? A million and a half. Yeah. A million and a half. A so it adds up pretty fast. And you yeah, know, when we talk us. about being the, a racket, like, look, there's a lot of unhappy realtors who feel like realtors, uh, a, a lot of unhappy realtors. that feel like NAR has crapped the bed and has not done a good job of defending realtors, right. Against I buyers and wholesalers. <laughs> so, uh, there's a lot yeah. of people in in that it's community trouble. that's really upset. So, Steve, yeah. you come from the real estate licensing and agent world. I do too. So, when I hear disclosure, like that rings loud and clear. Like they pounded that in my head when I became a licensee, when I became a, a, a salesperson, and again with my broker's license. Mm-hmm. So that's like second nature to me. But wholesalers who come in the industry and they learn the mechanics of wholesaling. They don't even, I have so many wholesalers that are like, well, what do you mean disclosure? Like, what does that exactly mean? So Steve, explain why disclosure is such a big deal. Why is that so well, important? It's pounded because like the whole time we're getting uh, license, it's like, don't do this or you'll lose your license. Don't do this, you'll lose your license. Don't do this, lose your license. It was, it was basically 18 classes of don't do this or you'll lose your license, you know? <laughs> um, and, and I get it, right? And then like, there are real repercussions. I mean- uh, even like the, uh, apart from the realtor, like there there are stories of like homeowners that fail to disclose a material defect, something actually wrong with the house, and the consequence was that they had to pay the money back for the house, but the buyer got to keep the home, got to keep the home, yeah. right? Like yeah. disclosure is very serious on the realtor Huge. side. Uh, so uh, if you if you fail to disclose, like um, it, depending on the severity, it's a fine, losing your license, or going to prison. 
as a yeah. realtor. Like they're, they're different depending on the severity of the failure to disclose. I mean, I have in my office a HUD poster, right? And all it says is I promise not to discriminate. And if I don't have that HUD poster in my office and the federal um, uh, housing urban development just walks into my office, popped in. yeah, just popped in. Then if I don't have that po- if I don't have that poster up, then I am guilty of discrimination. Yeah. So like we're all constantly over disclosing. Yeah. So the way I like to think about it is, or the way I explain it is, if there's something you know that might alter the decision of the other party, you have an obligation to disclose that information, even if it might jeopardize the sale. So anything and everything you need to disclose and the, and the, and the commission, the real estate commissions, a lot of them, they, they also look at intent. So what was your intention? So it's not even like, did you actually do it wrong? But can they, can they prove that you intended to mislead or be dishonest Mm -hmm. or do something wrong? And so, and that's a gray area because like, how do you prove intent? But it's that important. And so like the way I look at it is, if the way the question I like to ask is, if I were on the other side of this transaction, would the information I have, whatever it is I'm trying to decide if I should disclose, would I want to know that? Would I want to know yeah. that information? And if the answer is yes, then you better tell it or or you might be in trouble. So that's the or the the way I learned it was if I was in a courtroom and a judge was putting me against a little old lady. <laughs> Whose whose word is a judge going to take? Yeah, you. Yeah, and you will never win. You will (laughs) never win against a little old lady. Yeah, that's right. Or a distressed seller, or someone poor, or in in some because you're the investor, so you automatically are guilty by association because you're in this to make. You got a black cloud on you before you even started. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So you got to think through some of this stuff. So what they're saying right now is the, the language that NAR is, is pushing through this regulation is that when a wholesaler says, I'm the buyer, I'm a cash buyer, but really they're assigning the contract to a end buyer, not really them, then they're saying not only is that misleading, not only is that improper disclosure, but there's an argument right now that it's illegal and fraudulent. Like when you, And when you say fraud, now you're talking like you said, that's like jail time. That's like go to jail mm-hmm. if fraud is is what we're talking about in court. Yeah, they can prove fraud. It's hard yeah. to prove, but they can prove it. Like that's a bad a lot of trouble. You don't it's want to bad, ever be yes. accused of fraud. And so what they're saying is they're saying the seller has a right to know that you're going to assign the contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a case right now, not a case, but I have a I have a student right now, Steve, in New Jersey. And he did his wholesale. And when he got to closing, his assignment, when he got to closing, Title underwriting at title said, we are not going to close this transaction unless the seller and your heart and the, and the end buyer and the end buyer's hard money lender all sign this disclosure agreement that all parties involved know that this is an assignment of contract and that in the amount and, and that they acknowledge that this is happening and an in writing acknowledgement and this wasn't a state thing. It was, this isn't a requirement by the law. This is underwriting at the title company. Mm-hmm. That's how big of a deal disclosure is right now, that the title well, company is not yeah. close. A lot of title companies right now are, are looking at this. And I can share for multiple reasons, right? Because A, when the fingers are pointed, it's pointed to everybody, right? If there's a lawsuit, everyone is dragged into the lawsuit. So title companies are not enjoying that. No, uh, I, I can share privately, you know, uh, in events of disputes, title companies would just pay out, right? Then, then go through a dispute. But wholesale files are so much more challenging. And there's always that urgency that more mistakes are made. So they're paying out more in claims. Mm-hmm. So they're making, yeah. there's more errors. So they're making more claims and they're paying out more. On top of the fact that the transaction is more stressful, uh, there's investor rates, so they're making less money, mm-hmm. and there's more people involved, so there's more clients. More work. So like, yeah. There's more work. So for a title company, there's more work, less revenue, more prone to mistakes, more payouts. Why are we doing this? Yeah, 
And so there's some Steve other challenges. So I did a deal last year in Maryland and, um, and they made me do the same thing. They made the sell. Now, since then I've added a, I've added a disclosure, but they, they made, they did the same thing. They made the seller sign an agreement, acknowledging the assignment. And I asked them, I said, well, why is this an issue? And the title lady said, we've been having claims, title claims from sellers who find out later that some wholesaler made 20 grand and they file a title claim, which is really, really? odd to me that that would even, really yeah. Odd. And so what they're saying is they're saying um, they they lost out on unrealized equity that they didn't, they weren't aware that they were doing. And so I think what's happening is a lawyer is like, well, like you said, well, let's name everybody, including title. So title just gets named in a lawsuit. Title's just supposed to ensure you know, against defects on title, not well, they're supposed to just follow instructions. Literally, right. yeah, their job is to follow the instructions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's so crazy. All, but all it takes is a title company to get named in a lawsuit over an assignment of contract non disclosure issue. And now title makes a new policy for underwriting that we're not going to do these anymore, or we're not going to do these without really good disclosure in writing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I what I'm what I'm telling wholesalers everywhere is. It doesn't matter if your state has passed a law around this yet. One, it's either coming. Two, a lot of title companies are now requiring it to underwrite an assignment of contract transaction. So it's just a matter of time before that becomes kind of commonplace. Yep. And two, by not doing it, you're opening yourself up to consumer protection agencies and, and other people to come after you and accuse you of illegal or fraudulent or misleading a seller. So you just you just create a bunch of liability for yourself by not doing it. So like yeah, you so got it's best it's best to do it the right way. Um, but I think that's not enough too. I think part of the problem is we got to clean up the industry. But yeah, at the same time, try to clean up the industry. Like what do you do? Like I I know I've been privy to conversations talking about some bad actors in our community, and we try to clean it up. Like bad actors who I believe belong in prison. Yeah, and my uh, associates that have reported them to authorities. Not only do the authorities disregard the bad actors, but they started investigating his transactions and asking yeah. about his business. It's like, okay, well, this is the way you guys can play it. I'm no longer cooperating. You guys just mm-hmm. let the bad actors continue operating bad. And these guys are still screwing people out there. Yeah. So, Steve, since you have a lot of investors in your brokerage there in Arizona, yeah. um, how, how are you helping your, your wholesalers and investors? Like, are you having um, regular discussions around this idea? Are you making that? Are you requiring that they put have that in the contracts? Or like, what what are some ideas that you're working on to help your agents? Have you know, do this uh, for us, uh, I've taken the position. It's an unpopular position, uh, mm-hmm. but I've taken the position that I don't want your wholesale contracts to go through the brokerage. So, yeah. uh, if Jerry, the agent, is buying someone's house as a principal. It is my opinion that you are operating as a principal. You better disclose that you're a licensed realtor in the state of Arizona. Mm-hmm. But I don't want that going through my brokerage because anything okay. goes south. I don't want to get sued. So you have them sign. Over. You have them sign something that basically says, um, "If you wholesale, you're on your own. That's not part of my brokerage." Yeah, exactly. Because I don't how, want that liability. Yeah, and that's honestly that's right now that's the position of like EXP and Real and some of these other nationwide brokerages. Uh, now, my honest opinion around this, Steve, is that there's this untapped opportunity because the more states that require licensing, we really do need brokers are going to eventually have to figure out how to address their whole their license. Yes, they will. Deal. I agree with you that I yeah, agree with you there. It's, it's going to have this to is, get figured out. This is this is this is, this is going to come to some sort of destination where we don't have a choice. Yeah. And, you know, um, Every time we talk about regulation, there's two really easy solutions. One is get your license, <laughs> and two is um, is a double close, right? That kind of mm-hmm. takes care of these issues because the again the issues are always around the assignment of contract. Now that's not popular; people don't like to hear that because it's work and it costs to maintain a license, and double closing costs money and closing fees and and uh, transactional funding. But well, it's not so bad in Arizona, but man, in other states, it gets expensive fast. Yeah. For transactional funding. For transactional funding for uh, transfer taxes. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and who pays it at the end of the seller, right? Because the buyer has mm-hmm. to buy deeper. 
if we need to double yeah. close, then you need to buy it deeper. And if you buy it deeper, mm-hmm. it's not coming out of the wholesaler's pocket. They yeah. have to negotiate a lower price. So the seller gets less money. And this is yeah. my biggest problem with regulation. Every time we regulate to help somebody, we hurt them. Yeah, so. that's right. I mean, that's everything, though. That's minimum wage. When you raise minimum wage, you just hurt the consumer because the business owner is not going to make less money. He's going to charge more. Yeah. <laughs> so, to cover I mean, like, costs. They have it in, in Washington and some other states, too. Like, if they're actually in foreclosure, you're not allowed to market to them, right? Okay, yeah. well, now nobody's helping them. Mar- um, in Maryland, uh, it's against the law to market the pre-foreclosure. Against the law. Yeah. So, so is that really that benefiting person, that homeowner? Yeah. Right? Or um, I know like uh, there's a while ago right, where they passed the Dodd-Frank regulations for short sales. Like yeah. you couldn't start a short sale. It was if the foreclosure was within 21 days. How does that help the homeowner? Right. I don't see how that helps the homeowner at all. But yeah. No, not at all. So, yeah. Steve, one of the questions here is uh, what do you look for when you're choosing a title company? So let's talk about that a little bit and think nationwide. Um, right. So, I mean, I think for me, if I was looking to choose a title company, I would find one that's other larger wholesalers are using, right? I wouldn't want to do this myself. I would say, Hey, Jerry, you know, you're in this market. Where do you go? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, in town, I can ask Pace. I can ask Jamil. I can ask Brent. Mm -hmm. You ask someone like me, like, Hey, who do you use? Right now, full disclosure, I own a title company. Pace owns a title company, but, uh, I would ask like, who are you using? And then test it. See if you like it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's that's my recommendation as well. Find the big wholesalers, use who they're using, because whoever they're using, if they're doing multiple transactions a month, they probably got the whole process dialed in. Yeah. The other here's thing who you ask, definitely. Here's who you definitely don't use. Don't ask yeah. your realtor friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Because if you ask your realtor friend, nothing is realtors, right? But if your realtor friend refers a title company and that title company doesn't do any wholesale deals, boy, your, it's going to be a stressful transaction. Yeah, it's yeah. going to blow up in your face. Yeah, because they're not going to know how to manage the parties. Yeah, so that's good. So you and and as time goes on, the question you need to be asking title is, hey, um, I, I do assignments. And is there anything you require from a seller, you know, between me and a seller that I need to be aware of? Because you want to go into that transaction already knowing. You don't want to be coming back, you know, later with some kind of addendum and going to the seller and saying, hey, by the way, you know, there's this thing going on I did not talk to you about earlier that we need to talk about now. You know, that just doesn't go go very It well. never ends well. If you're going to disclose it or if you have to have a conversation, have that conversation up front, not a couple of weeks later. It's always awkward yeah. a couple of weeks later. Yeah. It's like, yeah, hey, so, Jerry, I need you to sign this document. Can you sign it, please? Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, didn't talk to you about this, but need to sign this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let me see here what another I just want to make sure I'm staying on top of these questions here. I saw another good one here. As a license holder, should I find a specific broker that understands both sides? I don't want any issues to arise when doing transactions on both sides. So I think the question there is should I tell my broker I'm wholesaling? Right? I think that's the question. That's the crux um, of it. Yeah. And definitely, like, do you do not want to be doing if you're if you're hanging your license under your broker, your broker in a sense has a responsibility and a liability for what you do in the marketplace. A legal obligation. So, yeah. Yeah, and so you definitely want to disclose that, make sure he's aware of what you're doing. If he's smart, he'll have you sign what you're doing, Steve, which says, "You sign right here that I I have no part of any of these wholesale transactions you're doing." That way he protects himself and waives his liability for those transactions, right? But you mm-hmm. want to make sure you're open and clear about that with your broker. Exactly. Yep. yep. Okay, good. So, Steve, going back real quick to Arizona. So, it was really weird, right? Because it said, okay, they looked at the wholesaler from two sides of the transaction. So, first they said... So confusing. Yeah, they called you a wholesale buyer and then they called you a wholesale seller, which our industry doesn't even... We don't talk like that. So, it was really odd. But a wholesale buyer would be when you're your contract with the seller, it says you have to disclose in in writing. Um, If you don't, then the seller can cancel the contract and keep any earnest money. And that's the penalty. Keep the earnest money, cancel the contract. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's simple. We have in our contract that the weird part was the second side, which said when you're a wholesale seller, you also have to disclose in writing to your cash buyer that you're a wholesaler. And it's like, 
It's an assignment of contract. What do you think the What do you think the contract is saying? The contract well, I, is disclosure. So I thought that same exact thought the first time, but I think there are some people that will just do a full contract. I think there are oh. some wholesalers that will use a full purchase contract and not disclose that they're wholesaling the deal, right? And, yeah, but and, are they still doing an assignment? I don't know. I don't know. Yes, properly. Because for us, like we just use an assignment contract, right? Like yeah. I'm assigning my rights, right? And I think that's yeah. probably the most common way to do it. But I don't think everyone's doing it. I think they're talking about like the more amateurish wholesalers that don't quite know what they're doing. Well, yet. they did say that when you're the wholesale seller and you sign a purchase contract with the end buyer, and that was wrong. I, I I called out on my when I did my thing. I called out and I said it's not a purchase contract. It's an assignment contract. Because then mm -hmm. it later says when doing an assignment of contract. Yeah, so it does. Just, I think they just totally screwed that part up. Well, and and I looked at it like again, like you say, right? Like no one knows what a wholesale seller is. Uh, yeah, okay. It's just such a <laughs> just strange vernacular language to yeah. use. Yeah. Um, so I think they really missed an opportunity there as far as uh -huh. it's confusing. Uh, they could have just mentioned one party. Now I recognize, right? Like we got middlemen, we got Daisy Channing. So yeah, technically you can have, they can wear two different hats, but yeah, I, I think that no. part is just, no, I, I think probably the biggest thing they could have done. Cause like, for example, like if you do a, a memorandum on a contract in Arizona and you fail to put that as something in the contract that you're allowed to cloud title, technically that's a $5,000 infraction. Yeah. Yeah. They could have done something like that in there. And I know that there may be some wholesalers in Phoenix that'd be disappointed in that. But yeah. that would have been a lot stronger than, mm -hmm. you know, the wholesaler losing $100, $100 earnest money deposit. Right. And, and not only that, but now the awareness falls on the seller. So the seller has to know about a disclosure law. They have to know how to look for the proper <laughs> written disclosure in the contract. And se sellers are going to have no clue. That most sellers don't even know what wholesaling is, let alone that there's a law that says that has to be disclosed in the contract. So like, where, when is this even going to actually do something? And then the penalty is so minuscule. It's just the whole thing seems really pointless. Well, I think the, the, the part where this can help the homeowner is if a wholesaler is difficult and refuses to release the contract and mm -hmm. a realtor were to get involved and they could counsel even yeah. though they're not supposed to practice law, they can or counsel. Company, maybe. Yeah, they can counsel yeah, the seller how to get out of the contract, right? Yeah, I yeah. think that's really the only place here. But then, even but even then, if the contract says in writing that they can wholesale the property, which any professional I think investor has, yeah, then this whole exercise is moot. Yeah. Well, here's the other huge problem with this law: the way it's written. So it says the seller can back out of the contract. Well, technically, the seller would not be able to do that until the point of closing, the time of closing, because you have a contractual right to close. So what if you perform on the day of closing and close? This is where the right? whole thing where it's very written very poorly and not thought through, right? Because I have not the same exact thought too, right? Because we could close on it. Like, okay, you're right. not happy that we're wholesaling? Okay, we'll just close on it. We'll disclose on it. So uh, let's say the seller finds out that you did not disclose in your contract and they find out that you're trying to assign it. And they say, you know what? I want to cancel my contract because you're doing an assignment. Well, oh, okay. Well, then I'm not. Yeah. Right. There's no. We're back, on, we're back on. We're back on. We're closing the deal. Yeah. So and double close. And I'm story. not sure. Yeah. Again, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> in a in a way, you know, it just seemed like maybe this is something where realtors got involved, but NAR didn't get involved because I think NAR would have been a little bit stronger. And in some ways, yeah. I'm happy that is less regulated, but in other yeah. ways, like man, if you're going to do this, like do it right. <laughs> like, yeah, this is just yeah, if, uh, they, if they really were concerned about disclosure, if they just would have mandated licensing, that would have solved it because as a licensee, you have to disclose now. Is if you're performing under a license. You, you always disclose your role in the transaction. And so, right. you know, they just, they totally missed that one. So yeah. I guess what I'm wondering too, Steve, is like, 
um, you know, they can always propose new stuff, but did this, did this buy Arizona some time? Like, is this Arizona's run at regulation and now we're good for a bit or. Yeah. I, I think Arizona is probably good for a bit. And I think that probably what's going to happen is this version may pass. And this could be maybe a situation where half the States follow Arizona's model uh, and other States follow Oklahoma's model. And, you know, Arizona, for whatever reason, we're the testing grounds for everything. You know, yeah. buyers, um, wholesaling. Well, um, if you think about Arizona, it's it's the it's the there's the most um, flipping transactions per capita in Arizona, right? So it really is the flipping capital of the U.S. Yeah. So you know, it's very transactional state, like lots of lots of buying and selling that happens in Arizona, and lots of flipping and Arizona will always be that because it's just a melting pot. You have California and you have East Coast all coming to Arizona. Arizona will never not be a hot market to move to, right? Ever. Right. I mean, it's going to push all the way to Tucson over time. So Phoenix will. You know what I mean? So yeah, Arizona is the playground. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna really mess around with some regulation, Arizona is the place to do it because you're gonna you're gonna get the biggest feedback loop you ever could in Arizona, maybe Florida mm-hmm. next. Right. But yeah, but totally. Well, I think Florida, it's interesting how Florida's handling, right? Cause Florida's handling more as, is the, how you're allowed to market, right? Like you can't text blast. Right. Yeah. So their way of attacking the wholesaling situation is to target the people marketing, not the people transacting. Yeah. So it's interesting how they're attacking the problem. Yeah. I, I think though, like Steve, I talk about this quite a bit, but my biggest problem around the, this whole idea with regulation is just the narrative is that wholesalers are shady and they're stealing equity and they're doing harm and they're yeah. ripping off old ladies and all this dialogue around this. And I, it, it's so maddening because you and I both know that wholesalers bring tremendous value to the marketplace help sellers in distress situations, provide cash buyers, either buy and hold investors and flippers inventory to fix up homes and make housing. And like, it's, if you look at the whole investing circle of life, it all starts with wholesaling. Like wholesaling is what makes the whole engine turn. Yeah. It's, it's it's funny, right? Cause like we're, we're the ambulance chasers. We're the scumbags. We're the vultures, but without us, there's no flipper. There's no, Uh, someone to buy the home, a nice home. Uh, there's yeah. no flippers. There's no laborers, uh, title insurance, mortgage. <laughs> like, There's yeah. so many people that eat in this pie in a flip, but the wholesaler is the bad guy. Yeah. You know, what really hit home to me about that was um, I had the Private Lender Association, the National Private Lender Association, and they represent, I don't know how many, hundreds of, of real, residential real estate private lenders. And they found out about some of this and, and they uh, they found out that we're working on an association and they reached out to me and they said, we went back to all of our lenders in the association and we had them all survey the percentage of transactions that are le- loans that they do with their clients that were a result of a wholesaler. And they said 70% of all of their loans, this is across the entire platform, were the result of a wholesaler. So the wholesaler brought it to the flipper, flipper used their their lenders to fund the deal 70%. So they're very concerned and they're watching very closely what's going on with wholesaling. Interesting. It directly impacts the private lending market. Yeah. Yeah. So Omar is asking this question here. 70%. So so most of these flippers are relying heavily on wholesalers to bring them inventory. Absolutely. I see Omar's like, you know, so like the if all we have to disclose what's the problem for us is just the 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 whole language they added was a waste of everyone's time. Either yeah. do it right or don't do it at all. Yeah. So guys, um, you know, I have I have my private contracts that uh, I give for free. If you go to wholesaler, what is it? Uh, wholesalercontracts.com. I give my I give my purchase and sale and my assignment for free. It's a free download. You can get that. And I have specific language in there. I have a profit disclosure which says Seller, you acknowledge that my intent and my plan is to make money, and you're aware of that, and you acknowledge that. Um, and then I also have my assignment disclosure, which says I may assign this contract to one of my other entities, an entity of one of my partners or investors, 
or, or a third party person and you're aware of that. Uh, that's the, so I have those things in there in the language, but make sure whatever contracts you're using that you've got that proper disclosure in there, regardless of what state you're in. And I think you'll be, you'll be okay, right? Just, you want to be aware of this. And, and I not only, Steve, not only do I have it in writing in my contracts, but I also verbally make sure I have that conversation with the seller. So I say, yep. I, I say every time I say seller, I need to need to make you aware of something. I may decide to assign this contract to one of my partners or investors. And I tell them, this is what that means. It means someone else may step in and close directly with you, but it's not going to affect you in any way. We're going to close on time. We're going to close on the, according to the terms of the contract. It doesn't affect you. I just want to let you know. So I'm being transparent with you that that may be happening. And most of, and every single time the seller's like, oh, all right, well, you know, as long as I, I get my care. number we agreed on, right? And yeah. we close on time, I don't care. As long as and I get my so, money on my on the date that we agreed yeah. upon. And that's it. And it's easy and it's over and it's not a big deal. And you don't need to make it weird. And like, it's not a big deal. It's, it's only as do. weird as you make it. Yeah. Now, uh, the one thing I do want to talk about before we wrap up, Steve, is where this is going to change a little bit and I think is going to have an impact is when we wholesale on market, which I'm a big proponent of. I do quite a bit of that. And so now what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to tell the agent hey, uh, we need to add into your state contract because now you're not using your contract, you're using the state contract. I need you to add a clause in the contract that says uh, I might I might assign this contract or I'm going to assign this contract. And so you're, now you're bringing this to the awareness of the agent. You're bringing this up as an additional item in the contract with the seller now to see that. And, and so now you create a conversation with that agent and a lot of agents are super turned off by wholesalers. So that's there's a there's a through. lot of oil and water between the realtor and yeah. the wholesaling community, and I think it's unnecessary, but it's it's a problem I tried to fix four years ago, and I mm -hmm. gave up three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> why? What's so? Why can't you bridge that gap, Steve? What's so hard about it? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a scarcity mindset, right? I think wholesalers yeah. hate realtors uh, uh, because they think that uh, realtors are, are killing their deals, like attorneys. Yeah. And realtors say wholesalers because like, hey, these, like you're you're eating in my pie or you're you know, you're you're taking food away from my family yeah. or you're you're hurting grandma without the right context. So I think yeah. I tried bridging that gap. And I think all I did in trying to bridge that gap was become a more successful wholesaler and get a little black sheep <laughs> in the in the realtor community. Yeah, I think, too, what I've noticed is the the agents that really hate wholesalers there's quite a bit of resentment there because, you know, on a hundred thousand dollar deal, that agent's making 3000 and the wholesaler's making 15 and it's just not fair. Like in their mind, like it's yeah, just it's not, not fair. fair. It's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not it's like, fair. It's like conversations I have with my kids. Yeah. It's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> As if somewhere it's written that it's supposed to be fair. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that comes up quite a bit. I see is this animosity because, they're looking at it and they're saying the, the wholesaler is really no different than me, but they're making 10 times as much money and that's not fair. And they're just they're but they're unwilling to take any risk, which is why they're an agent, not a, not a wholesaler. Well, and, right? and it's something I've been saying for a long, long time is that I think the greatest threat to wholesalers are realtors because we all do the same thing. We just do it slightly differently to a different, different. audience. It's, yeah. it's kind of like, um, you know, like in Ireland, right? Like, Protestants and Catholics, like you guys are pretty similar, <laughs> but man, you guys really hate each other. <laughs> That's a really funny analogy. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. cause the more you're like, you're alike, the more you hate each other. Right. Like if you guys yeah. are like very different, you can find a way to get along, but because you guys are so similar, you guys hate each other. Yeah. What we do is we, we blow up the differences rather than notice the 90% of similarities. We focus on the 10% of differences. Exactly. And, and create a bunch of animosity around it. Yeah. It's totally true. But I mean, like you're good at this with your brokerage. If if agents really could look at wholesalers in a different light, you could add tremendous value and income to your real estate agent model by being wholesaler friendly, by working with wholesalers, because wholesalers are transactional and you can bring them pocket listings. You could, I mean, it could be repeat business ongoing. And so it actually can really blow up a real estate agent's business if they work closely with wholesalers. My most successful agents 
have both arms in their business, right? They can do yeah. wholesale or a list. I mean, the ones yeah. that are retiring earlier or in a position to retire early are the yeah. ones that are entrepreneurial and provide options versus sticking everyone down one path and forcing it one direction. Totally. I remember, Steve, you and me, when I was in Arizona, we sat down in my home and we did a video about the benefits of getting your real estate license as an investor and as a wholesaler. And I'll put the link to that video in the description. But part of that conversation you and I had was we talked about all of the benefits to being licensed as an investor. And like my my Michigan license and the deals I do in Michigan, um, I think my license makes about twenty to twenty five thousand in referral fees because you can't take a referral from an agent unless you're also licensed. So I refer I refer sellers that want too much mm-hmm. to my go to agent and I get a commission split from that from that referral. Exactly. And that that alone pays for my license ten times over every year. Let alone you get that you get MLS data. MLS. Yeah. There's just too many reasons to become licensed, but yeah, for whatever reason, we're going to, we're going to have oil and water and we'll continue to have oil and water. Um, And then, you know, I think again, the ones that are licensed and investors are the ones that are going to do the best at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. Yeah. There's a lot of, you're one of the few people, there's a lot of people in our space in the education space that, that really, take the position to not get your real estate license. You don't need it. It's better not to, you know, and I take the complete opposite approach. I know you do as well. And that yeah. is, you know, the, the only, there's one major thing you have to do, which is disclose that you're a licensed, you're a licensed agent or have a real estate license. And that's super simple. On my purchase contracts, it says buyer is a licensed agent. On my, on my sale contracts, it says seller is a licensed agent. I've done my disclosure. You got to be careful with some of your marketing, but it's really easy to meet that obligation. And then now you've met that you've checked the box and now you have all of the benefit that comes with holding a real estate license. So, yeah. And you, you and I talked about that in another video, but at the end of the day, like the only reason not to get licensed is that you can't do illegal stuff. It's like, yeah. is that really <laughs> a good reason to not get licensed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. Uh, when we talked about it, I remember, there was this big chat on Facebook and it was so funny to me. It should not be funny. It's really scary. But people were saying, no, if you get your license, you're held to a higher standard. And I'm like, so let me get this straight. You want to not get licensed so you can operate in a shady, unethical way? Like what? Yeah. What? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Incredible. Not the message we want to send out to the regulators. No, no, we do not want to send that message out. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, good. Well, what do you, do you think, uh, what do you think would be some, some tips for people like a- after seeing this Arizona law, I mean, other than just keep disclosing, um, is there any other things that you're seeing that would be important for wholesalers to do kind of on a broad spectrum that that's well, not I think, I think you've talked about this before is that get access to private capital mm-hmm. so that if you ever need to close on it, yeah, you can. Yeah, because right? now you can operate with more integrity, right? Because mm-hmm. again, I think one of the biggest challenges is people saying like, "I couldn't find a buyer, so I'm canceling for due diligence." That's not a valid reason to cancel for due diligence. No. So I think no, you know, finding yeah. access to private capital to yeah. give yourself more options, more exit strategies. Love that, so that yeah, you can yeah. avoid getting into trouble. Yeah, last year I started a transactional funding company because I think I my personal opinion is that double closings are are going to be the way of the future and the I demand for the demand for transactional funding which is the double closing funding is going to become more and more in demand and more and more valuable. So, uh, by the way guys, if you go to usejerryscash.com you can learn about that program, but but I think you're right, Steve. I think man, you need to really secure private capital so that you can take down the deal. And not only not only to do a double closing, like that's great, um, but I talk a lot about the whole tail model. And if you really think about all the different ways that you can flip, you know, you can do a light rehab and flip it, an average rehab and flip it, a heavy rehab and flip it. You can do a not rehab, which we call wholetailing, just buy it, take it down, relist it, sell it. You that's can do a double closing. 
You can do an assignment. There's all different kind of ways you can flip, you know, flip. Mm-hmm. The assignment is the lowest paying strategy of all of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I think getting access to capital is yeah. on the top of getting licensed. The next best thing you can do, or maybe they're one A and one B, right? One's getting yeah. licensed, one's getting access to private capital. And then you'll, yeah. then there, then there's no regulation that's going to get in your way. Yeah. Yeah. The, the key to the double closing though, is you've got to have some bigger margins. Like you got to buy deeper. There's no way around, but no way around it because if you're doing a if you're doing an 8k a 7k a wholesale and you got to double close that baby you're you're going to eat away into half of your wholesale income right and fees yep. fees and cost of money and stuff so so you got to get those deeper discounts to be able to do the double close uh, or you got to just be on top of your assignment of contract game and really make sure you're aware of how to do that properly without any issues exactly Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much. Love all that you're doing. Um, Love all that you're doing. Thank you. And I think I'm going to see you next month, right? Yeah. 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 Hey, let's hang out in Scottsdale. Some, yeah, let's sit down and do some uh, some content together. I like I like the face to face better than the, the. You know where my studio's at. Come I on know. in. Yeah, we will. Yeah, so I'll be there. Are you going to be Are you going to be in and out or hanging out during the two days? Probably. Okay. Yeah, if you guys don't know, um, Carlos Reyes is putting on his Freedom event. It's May, what is it, 12 and 13? Sounds about right. Yeah. Just, yep. just go to allinnation.com. You'll find it. Yeah, All In Nation. I'll put a link in the description here. But um, Steve speaking, I'm speaking, and a bunch of really heavy hitters, man. Some big dogs. The heaviest hitters. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I love Carlos, so I said yes, and then I saw the lineup, and I'm like, dang, this is some – this is some legit players here coming yeah, to, he didn't coming mess to this around. Event. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. It's going to be fun. And yeah. So guys, thanks for uh, joining us on this. Thanks Steve for taking time to talk about this regulation. I think it's important. It us. And guys, let's keep raising the bar. We have to raise the bar. This is where it's the little things like this conversation and people, you know, Steve, my hope is that somebody listening to this right now takes this to heart. They raise the bar in the way that they interact and transact And one at a time, I think we can make a difference in our industry. 100%. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And Steve, um, where can people get to your YouTube channel? Uh, Well, probably the easiest way is just go to stevetrain.com. We have all our links there. Uh, But if you just look at Real Estate Disruptors, you'll find out. Real Estate Disruptors, guys. Yeah. If if you're not part of Steve Train's podcast or his YouTube channel, Steve interviews the best of the best. And... It's amazing because you get long form and he basically lifts the lid off of very serious people in the business and, and what they've done and what they're doing to succeed. And um, it's really amazing. So real estate disruptors, if you go on YouTube, search that and and make sure you subscribe to his channel, follow him on Instagram and, and get inside his world because he's doing some amazing things in the education. So thank you, Steve. Thanks, Jerry. All right. We'll wrap it up. We'll see you guys on the next one. See you all later. Thank you.